Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. Coming to you uh, the day after the, the US Grand Prix uh, for very... Well, for reasons? For not reasons. The, the race was late. <laughs> Later. Uh, but anyways, my name is Graham and joining me today, it's Mr. Howdy Do. It's Luke Holmes. Howdy, partner. Howdy. <laughs> how are we doing? How, not too bad, thanks. How, how are you? I'm very howdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you <laughs> and, like, I think, ev- I think every F1 driver got into the spirit of of being in America. Like, I don't know what it is, man. Like, F1 goes to all these very cultured places like Australia, uh, like Hungary or France or Italy. Do you know what I mean? But nothing mm. is quite the same as when F1 heads to America. Everyone gets into the very, the Western uh, American kind of lifestyle, Texas. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo definitely did. Didn't he do did like the, the, he did his interviews in in the accent, and he's shaved for like a handlebar. Yeah, he, had the, he shaved, and then he got the full cowboy outfit on, <laughs> the hat and the boots as well. Just in on Friday, and then I think on Sunday when they went round the track on the bus or the lorry, lorry thing. Every, yeah, parade. I think almost everyone had a had a, a, a cowboy helmet on that parade. Like I know Stroll did. I pretty sure well, Ricardo definitely did. Uh, There's a few others. I think I'm not sure if Science had one, but like everyone got into this. I think Leclerc may have as well. Like everyone got into this whole uh, this whole cowboy hat thing, and I love it. I love to see it. Yeah, I'd as well. I think the whole weekend was just such a vibe, to be fair. It really it was. was. Great. Uh, first time, obviously, F1's been back in the States since 2019. Now, I know the Drive to Survive uh, documentary kind of came out, you know, it was first, you know, uh, premiered during the 2019 season, I guess, before it. So this is not F1's first trip back to the US since then, but you can see how much of a popularity spike there has been since 2019 to 2021. Oh, it has blown up massively. 140,000 fans on Sunday. Mm -hmm. 140,000, that is... In COVID times, that is ridiculous. And you saw along the pitch straight, it was just crammed end to end in the grandstands. It was crazy. I haven't seen it like that at a racetrack in a long time, obviously for certain reasons. But it's still brilliant to see whether the the old fan. I think it was a mixture of everything, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. the old fans, all the new fans. It just a great, great weekend for the sport on a whole. Liberty have really done a good job with pushing the market in America. And I think they really starting to hit the sweet spot. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a, maybe the record setting attendance weekend. I think it was 400 plus thousand throughout the whole weekend. I think Lewis Hamilton put it well after. I think it was Lewis Hamilton uh, basically saying that F1 has arrived in America. Um, I think that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's weird to say, isn't it? Because F1's been coming to the States, obviously, you know, it, it's ever since the 80s, really. Mm. There's a bit of a break after the uh, after the whole uh, from Indianapolis. I think oh oh eight onwards to twelve when there wasn't a race in America, and obviously you can obviously return to Kota where obviously F one has been to the states ever ever since. But yeah, it's really kicked off. It was great to see. I found the uh, some of the some of the kind of 
I guess normality returned to F1. Like you had like Martin Brundle's like grid walk as you know a few celebrities on the grid. A big man, <laughs> big man Shaquille O'Neal. I think was uh, <laughs> basically became a meme after the race, didn't he? He did. He did. The, the sheer size of him compared to the drivers <laughs> on the podium was unreal. I think did he you, was. Uh, uh, he was equal size. I think with Hamilton on the uh, yeah, on the podium. He was, and he wasn't far off Max. No. If Yuki was on that podium, my God. He Jesus would be taller. Christ. He would be taller than Yuki, I think, on you, the top you could step. You could stack two Yukis on top of each <laughs> other and still be smaller than Shaq. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> did you see Martin uh, get shut down by uh, Megan the Stallions? Um... I did. The poor chap. It's not the first time it's happened to him. Poor. Uh, he was shut down by Venus Williams a few years back on the grid as well, um, who just decided that she was just too good to talk to uh talk to uh talk to martin of course the v the, the williams sisters are uh, big big hamilton fans as a uh, as you of course of but course. you probably wouldn't be too surprised although serena was a guest this year of aston martin at monaco and waved that uh, mm. that flag a uh, big man chris bosch out as well i think he's he's been an f1 fan for a bit ben stiller uh george lucas george lucas has been around for a while to be fair george lucas is not a new yeah. fan to f1 of course he would have been there in monaco in 2005 when they had the revenge of the sith uh film coming out and obviously they decked red bull and uh, the side of that the uh the pit the pit lane uh, the pit crew had stormtrooper <laughs> it, it was great that one. yeah so like yeah like everyone was just really really pleased to be back in in uh in america uh especially just as a whole yeah i thought it was absolutely fantastic that was a that was a really positive lift i think for everyone involved yeah, I, I agree. It was it was really nice to see, and it's probably one of the best atmospheres we've had all season. That and the Dutch Grand Prix, for me, were untouched mm-hmm. in terms, and that's saying something because I, I think the British crowd's really good, but them two have been miles ahead. Yeah. Absolutely miles ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess speaking of Drive to Survive, one of the actual things that came out during the weekend was that Max Verstappen said he wasn't going to be participating in the documentary uh, for this season. He said it created, uh, well, it's no secret that it, there's a bit of dramatization that goes on with uh, the Drive to Survive series. And he really? didn't, uh, do, have you not heard? <laughs> no. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, amazing. Um, a few sound effects here and there. Uh, you know, the crashes are very... about 50 decibels louder than <laughs> normally are. The very frustrated engine sounds. It pisses me off so much. I think what pisses... You're on board. <laughs> You're on board with a McLaren and you hear a Ferrari engine. And yeah. For God's sake, just make it somewhat realistic. My uh, my pet peeve is when they use footage, like, like they're talking about the race, and like they use footage from like qualifying or practice, or like the tyres that they're definitely yeah. not on at that point in the race. Anyways. Yeah, it switches from hard to soft, back to hard. <laughs> yeah. It's is great. <laughs> uh, technicalities aside, one of the things Verstappen said he didn't particularly like was how it kind of developed or I guess created uh, as fake rivalries or as like, stuff that wasn't really there. Yeah. And I don't think he's wrong, but I, other people ended up disagreeing with him on that. Uh, so we're not going to have Max Verstappen as an interview subject throughout the uh, throughout this season of Drive to Survive. I don't think that's necessarily going to detract too much from the series. There'll be still plenty enough of like... As long as you have Christian Horner there to give Max's, again, spin or, I guess, a close to perspective as possible, I think that should mm. be enough. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of other storylines they can uh, do as well. There's, lo- there's mm. loads of things that they'll spin. Can't wait for the Aston Martin episode. It's going to be great. Aston Martin, Haas. There'll be a, 
There'll be good ones They'll for sure. They'll be fun ones, yeah. They always are, to be fair. Yeah. There's and like like Drive to Survive has been able to make so many storylines out of I don't want to say Nothing. boring seasons, but like because like 2018 was fairly entertaining. 2019 had some good races, even though the championship wasn't stellar. You don't and, say. <laughs> and 2020, same thing with the championship, but obviously uh, a lot more storylines with like the yeah the like the Renault stuff, the uh, racing points, and all that kind of thing. They were able to make good storylines, good content, despite the actual on track battles not always being stellar and this season we've got obviously you've got Red Bull and Mercedes you've got McLaren and Ferrari you know you've got obviously the Aston Martin dynamic you've got the uh, Russell to Mercedes there's, there's a lot there's going to be it's going to be actually this might be the best season possibly for Drive to Survive coming up yeah and then obviously you've got the Haas dynamic of uh, mm-hmm. Mazepin I'm sure they're going to make him look like a villain I, I just know they are in fact based on how it's been Mick's going to be spun as the golden boy. Mm-hmm. Mazepin's going to be spun as the bad boy. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. They're not wrong, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but kind of getting to the matters on the track, it looked... It looked we'll jump into winners and losers in a bit, but just before we hop into that, it looked fairly ominous on the weekend, to be fair, because after free practice one, you thought, um, with Mercedes looking as they were, it's like, oh, no, this is... This is this, that sense of trepidation. is like, oh, this might not be close. It was a big gap it was like seven tenths i think it was at the end of practice one and then yeah to my surprise they dropped back mm. quite a bit practice two obviously lewis and max decided to uh not obey the track limits which uh mm-hmm. the stewards were uh, very tough on this weekend i think rightly so yeah and then the same again in q3 in pre in practice three and perez very strong in, uh, in both practice two and practice three. Uh, the other thing that came out during practice was apparently this kind of this seemed to begin at the Turkish Grand Prix, but we saw, I guess, I guess everyone saw it a bit more on display now. Uh, this ride height Mercedes trick that they've managed to employ uh, from the Turkish Grand Prix. I was reading a story on race fans about it. Uh, Valtteri Bottas's car was seen lowering itself on the straight during the race during uh, Istan, Istanbul, which was believed to stall the car's diffuser, increasing its straight line speed, uh, which Red Bull noted after after last week. And it seems legal enough. It's just a, a little wrinkle Mercedes have introduced, and they're, they're one to do this. Obviously, the DAS system, they unleashed that testing last year. God, could you imagine if that was still in F1 this year? Whew. Although it hasn't been as many safety cars, I think, to be fair. <laughs> no, it- it didn't have as much as effect as, as as I think it probably should have. Because, like, it, it didn't really do that much, did it, really? Well, only because I think they're so far in front, essentially, in terms of performance. If they were if they were this where they are this year, for example, with other cars to fight and, like, yeah. to, to come through the field on restarts and the such, uh, I'm not sure if they how much they employed it in formation laps, but it would have obviously been... I think you would have seen it come to the fore a lot more this season than it did last season. Anyways, it's outlawed for this season. But this new ride height uh, trick, uh, you know, this I I was initially pissed off because it's like, oh, great, you know, this is another thing that they've managed to find. But what were your thoughts having seen, I guess, the system in a bit more... I don't think it has a name. You know, we haven't given, Everyone hasn't given it a name, so to speak. It doesn't have a name, but Ferrari have come out and said they've done this for years. So it's not new in that sense. It's just Mercedes have adapted it and made it a lot more better. So props to him because it's, it's brilliant. 
engineering wise absolutely incredible mm-hmm. but I, I saw it and i was like right okay do we need them to get any <laughs> quicker and it does explain why they are so fast in a straight line compared to everybody else because they just seem to like i said it last time when we was in turkey they seemed to be absolutely rapid once they got past the initial acceleration phase they just went he saw it in russia at the start with lewis he took off mm-hmm. and i'm guessing that's probably one of the factors as to why yeah we, we obviously don't know how long this system has been in place at least right now at least from what I'm, i mm. can i can see it might be out there somewhere but from what i can see at least on race fans and motorsport.com we don't know how long this this has actually been a feature on mercedes's car if it has been there all year we just haven't really taken notice of it or if it is a more recent development did it come before turkey uh, I don't think it's quite. At least I couldn't find at least when, uh, when it was introduced. No, but there's so much for not developing your car, right? <laughs> well, this is the thing. Like we talked about this. Like we knew that this was going to be the case, or that they they wouldn't be able to avoid trying to develop their car in their intense efforts to win, which is fantastic news for everyone else. That look, they may say Red Bull and Mercedes that they're not. You know surely you are diverting some of your attention away from your 2022 car by trying to maximize this 2021 car in these in this title fight anyway, you, I've, I've said it all season long you just don't give up on something that's right in front of you mm-hmm. like why why would you it's on the plate why would you divert something that probably might not even work like you don't know to, it's a year in advance focus on the things now some of it and then save some of it some of your resources for next season which mm. is what i think red bull have done perfectly to be honest well, time will tell how much they've sacrificed this year or sorry for next year focusing on this year obviously the the biggest one that stands out to mind in recent memory was bmw Sauber in 2008 had a car that could have t- potentially gone on to win the title or at least contend close to it uh, with robert kibitza and they they bailed on that car i believe and prioritized or focused more on 2009 which was this, you know, well, in one way, it's sensible, but in the end, it ended up not being the car it you know they thought it would be, and they bailed on a very good car, and all for a car that wasn't able to perform much of anything in the end in two thousand nine. Yeah, that, so, that two thousand eight BMW probably would have won that title. Could, would have been up there, I think, definitely for sure. Had mm. they had they really kept at it, but that's and that's the argument for like you've you've got to and BMW never obviously got there again. Obviously, they withdrew from the sport a year later. Uh, after 2009 with the the uh, financial crisis and that was it that was you know that was that was BMW's uh, f- last swan on F1 for the moment and you've got to take your opportunities in front of you and obviously Red Bull as they should and Mercedes should as well because obviously we don't know how this is going to throw up the grid next year Mercedes might not get a chance to get back at the front for a little bit <laughs> okay <laughs> Look, I'm hopeful. Okay, stop. Don't do that. Don't, yeah, don't I'm hopeful as well that it's a big shakeup, but I can't see it. I really can't. I just don't see a world where the where Red Bull and Mercedes drop that much back. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But we have. I, I, I would like it though if they did. It would be nice to see someone new, i.e., the third and fourth teams going out at it. The two legends of the sport fighting at the front would be amazing. I believe in the cost cap. 
Yes, so do I. So we'll see how that gets on. But let's move on to winners and losers. I think that's everything, basically. Oh, speaking of developments, it's good to see Adrian Newey back in the... Obviously, he was there for Turkey, but I guess more came out on his kind of... You know, he obviously was injured for, I think it was a cycling accident or a motorbike accident. It was, yes. Yeah. Uh, so having him back in the fray for... I'm sure he's not been sat at home doing nothing, of course, but... Uh, him being trackside will obviously really help Red Bull down the stretch here. Yeah, and I think it. I think it. They sort of got around the car issues this weekend because Max couldn't figure out how to get the car settled right to his liking in mm. Turkey, and there seemed to be a bit more on it this weekend. Yeah, sort both cars from practice one to practice two. It mm-hmm. was a huge jump. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to winners and losers of the weekend. Ba, 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 ba. Excuse me? Oh, right. You, you yes, forgot. Yes, I forgot. Uh, some minor, well, speak, we are in the Americas, so there are some, there's some minor driver yeah. news. Uh, not from F1, but thank you for reminding me. Jeez, I almost forgot. Uh, I guess early in the week, it was announced that Christian Lungard would be driving full-time in IndyCar next season. Uh, I think he's teaming up with Rahal. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So he's finishing this season in F2, then he's heading over to IndyCar. I, this trend is only going to grow, I think. We see, we've obviously, Callum Eilash is, I guess, I guess, I, I guess, when I say grow, as in like youngster, like young drivers in programs who can't get into F1, not because they're not talented enough, but just because there's, the opportunity just isn't, doesn't, doesn't exist, and they're going over. So Eilash is one of them, and then Lungard is following suit. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised. We, we said this would happen based mm-hmm. on how Lungard's uh, F2 season has sort of been very, very strange yeah. and unexpected. If I'm honest, I, I had him down to be in the top three mm-hmm. this season and he's been absolutely nowhere. Some of it not his fault, fair enough, but he's just not been the same driver this season. So hopefully he can redeem himself in the States next year. Yeah. And actually, speaking of, uh, I guess seeing with IndyCar for a sec, there's been a bit more. Of, there's a bit more chatter this week about this whole IndyCar and FIA super license points kind of thing. Uh, so obviously, specifically, specifically revolving around Colton Herta and uh, Pato Award, who was in McLaren during in McLaren during the week, I believe, or it was last week. Uh, talked about this, and I think Alonso obviously talked about this as well. And now Herta would be a good addition to F1, but the, the super the way the super license points works. Uh, it's not really going to unless they make a special exemption or or the such I, it's, I don't think Herta is going to have the super license points required to make that jump to F1 if the Andretti stuff uh, you know turns out to be you know they take over Sauber and the, the seat is theirs to fill it is wrong I think he's in a top class the top the, the top of these his category of sport mm-hmm. he, he's like he can't go any better in IndyCar so surely he should have enough super license points. He's not driving in in delights, is he? He's it's no. very bizarre. Like if he was going in delights to F one, then that'd be a like be a bit like yeah, he needs super license points. But he knows he knows how to drive. He's he's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, I agree, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made a change. It should at the very minimum, it should be the same as F two. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You definitely need to be on some form of level playing field with F two. Yeah, uh, I think is it. I think it's. I can't remember how many is given out, but I think we we broke it down one of the weeks. The uh, the IndyCar equivalent, and it's 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 stark. Like it is quite stark. I think you get more in F three, right? It's, it's, it was somewhere along them lines. It's cl- it's close to that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not it's not right in like in my opinion, and I feel you. I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, hundred percent. So 
but that was that was an interesting bit of uh, yeah, just interesting to pick that up. And uh, I, of, I guess more surprisingly on the week, Logan Sargent was announced to Williams uh, development uh, as a development driver, uh, one of their junior drivers, and. We knew some changes were coming at Williams with regard to this. I think we, if I didn't mention, there was an there was an article that Jos Capito kind of talked about, and I think basically, kind of they needed they needed an overhaul essentially of their junior drivers. Obviously, they hadn't really put in their own, I guess, since Darlington have come on board. I guess they inherited who was it? Roy Nassani. It was Dan Tictum, Jamie Chadwick, and that's it. Yeah, that's a th- that's it. I think mm, so. Uh, so they announced Sargent, obviously, who is American, uh, race in F3 this uh, this season. And I'd imagine that would pave his way to F2 for Logan Sargent next year. Yeah, that, I was just going to say that pretty much seals him down for F, F2. I can't see him doing a fourth season in F3. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, God. No. Uh, but I guess and here's the other thing I actually wanted to talk about. So the Sargent's one was an interesting one, but I read because obviously the W Series, uh, I, I forgot actually that the W Series, they decided to have two rounds in the US rather than one in USA, one in Mexico. That's how, That was my mistake. But they had the two championship rounds uh, to finish the season. It was Chadwick tied with Alice Powell and uh, Chadwick won both races pretty well. Uh, very well, actually. She drove absolutely fantastically to retain her title. I would love to see Chadwick in F3 or F2 next season as well. Yeah, I'd like, I was saying this at work today. I was I was talking to my work friend about it, and we both agreed like she should be given the shot, at least in F3, mm-hmm. to see what she can do against some of them guys, because she's very, very talented. Yeah. I think it's time. Like I, I think it is time for to for this to happen. We've seen a few female drivers in the junior categories uh, more recently. Uh, Tatiana Calderon in F two and Sophia Flourish in F three. Neither really got on very well in those years in F two and F three. Uh, but I do think and they both do. They both do endurance racing these days, and maybe that's just more suited to them. But I do think it's time. I do. I do think Chadwick would definitely acquit herself better than i guess those who have gone before her in those categories yeah 100 percent. i think she's levels above those two drivers that you just named mm-hmm. like and that's nothing against sophia or uh, tatiana but i think jamie's just she's been around that williams that williams team for a long time mm-hmm. and knows knows how to get the job done yeah and if you're if you're if you're bringing that up i also think you 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 probably throw Alice Powell into the same conversation, though I don't. I don't think she's affiliated with a F one team, which obviously would hurt her. Hurt her case. Like Jamie Chadwick's twenty three, you know. So mm. Alice is a lot older, right? I think uh, she's like nearly thirty. Yeah, I, I believe so. Let me just check. Uh, Alice Powell is twenty eight, twenty nine in January. Yeah, I think that's. I think she's probably a bit too old. She's probably not, but yeah. I'd like to see it though, nonetheless. Yeah, I like. I also really looking forward to seeing uh, some uh, someone that I really enjoyed watching this year in WC was Emma Kimmelainen. Uh, I know she's thirty two, but um, she finished third in the standing. So like, there is some really strong drivers in W Series. I think it's time now we see Chadwick in one of the junior categories. So I hope that that will be the case. Uh, that will be the case next year because she put she had to fend off a strong challenge of Alice Powell this year. I don't think she had to. Fe- I, I I don't remember what the the first season for W Series for Chadwick, her title there, how much of a title fight there was. Uh, but this one was a lot more concrete and she rose to the occasion really well. Yeah, 
yeah, I, I can't say much myself because I didn't watch any of it, but I know she she aced it from what I saw on the uh, reports afterwards. Yeah, so so I, mean, so I guess that all that linked into one there, so I want to bring it up now there. But let's hop into uh, winners losers of the weekend. Uh, well, first of all, the uh, it was a race that Max Verstappen just about hung on to win. He finished ahead of Lewis Hamilton in second, Sergio Perez in third. Uh, the clerk fourth, Ricardo fifth, Bottas sixth, Sainz seventh, Norris eighth, Sonoda ninth, and Vettel in tenth to round out the uh, point scores. There, uh, it's happened to winners and losers uh, because Red Bull. Look, it didn't. It, it wasn't the start they needed. Uh, Verstappen got away off the line. Hamilton got a better start from P two, took the position, took the lead, and it looked like Verstappen was really pent up uh, on those mediums. It did look like that car was much quicker on mediums than. The Mercedes it was beginning to slide and struggle, and early on, the Red Bull they pulled it, they pulled the trigger, they they boxed Verstappen, got him onto the hards, he got the undercut, which got him ahead of Hamilton, and uh, Hamilton only pitted with three lap uh, fre- uh, fresher tires that first one, but then they pulled they had to pull Verstappen in a bit early for their second stop, and this is when Mercedes went long. Uh, I believe the it was eight or so laps was the difference in tire in the end. Uh, so I think Hamilton emerged. It was an eight-second deficit he had to make up to Verstappen. Uh, started closing yep. that up quickly, and he's and like obviously like because Verstappen I think pitted lap to, what was it twenty nine or so. Yeah, it was just before the thirties. So obviously a long way to go on those on those hards. Uh, Hamilton had much fresher, and obviously he started eating to that gap quickly. And you think, oh, this is the sensing. The impending sense of doom came in. It's like, well, he's definitely going to monster him. Didn't happen. Uh, he got into the turbulent air. Uh, and, uh, well, to be fair, I actually thought, a combination of two things, turbulent air being one, but we've also seen when someone has a significant tyre advantage, you can get past. We've seen that plenty of times this season. We've seen it with Verstappen versus Bottas in in, uh, in Holland. We saw it with Verstappen versus Hamilton in France. We saw Hamilton on Verstappen in Spain. There, if you have a big enough tyre advantage, which I would say eight laps on those is considerable, given what we saw. It's a hell of a lot. Uh, given that what we saw, everyone did two stops, who finished did two stops, uh, other than Maspin, but we'll explain that later. Um, so I do think it's a combination of Hamilton catching the turbulence and Verstappen managing his tyres. Yeah, I think, yeah, they're definitely the two factors. Because if Lewis gets within... DRS range, which he got stupidly close to mm. on the last lap. No thanks to Mick. God, I about about cried. I was shaking my Didn't head. It? it was like that was yeah. poor. But I don't think it was Mick. To be fair, I think he wasn't. There's not really anywhere else he can literally let him go. But uh, down the street. <laughs> oh, was he behind it on the world feed? He just caught to him being held up around the uh, long right under. No sector three, basically, like that. The end of that second stra- uh, that second straight and sector three essentially did not did not move. He's taken bad lessons from his teammates. Wow, that's poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ripple actually thought it cost it would cost Max the race. <laughs> yeah, I, I I thought it did because mm-hmm. Lewis got within DRS and Max was I think it was the third slowest in a straight line compared to Lewis, which we know was literally just spoke about. How quick that Mercedes in a, is in a straight line. It was, I think, it was fastest in sector two the entire weekend. Mm, the uh, the critical thing for that last lap was first happened actually did get DRS on Mick, even though he got by. Hamilton did not have DRS. He had, he was in within a second, getting down that main straight, but within before the activation point, 
didn't have DRS and obviously when he got through the S's and heading on to that, his last real chance really wasn't within DRS and uh, Verstappen held on, winning by 1.3 seconds, but the, the talk obviously was the strategy because really that race was won in that second stint, I thought, when obviously Verstappen got the jump on Hamilton to get that all all crucial track position. Yeah, it was a it was a bold, bold strategy. I'll say that mm-hmm. a very bold. I, me and you both thought they had messed it up big time. I thought Lewis is winning this race, and Max put in the work and managed his tires really well, and he just absolutely aced it. And in my eyes, that was a champion's drive. It was a it was a big swing. Uh, the key to make it work was uh, look the. the uh, why they had to go so early is they used, they used a lot of tyre, obviously, early on to get the original jump on Hamilton. And then when he went in for his second stop to Verstappen, he was told, you're going to have to manage this set better than the first one. Uh, yeah. They they knew what was likely to happen. And, yeah, Verstappen, I thought, managed it very well. That was a, that was a champion's drive. That really was the pre- like uh, the pressure he must have felt. I guess maybe, well, maybe he didn't feel it, but the pressure anyone else would feel in that situation very few people i think could hold their nerve in that situation where you know the guy behind you has got better tires and you know if he basically gets within that drs that's uh, basically toast so i thought he handled that extremely extremely well both mentally and obviously in execution in uh, the way he was driving and uh, managing the tires as well yeah if max made one mistake lewis's throw yeah pretty much one slight crack of pressure that gets the max in his game over and he didn't crack so for me, fully deserved that race. Honestly, it was probably one of his best drives all season. It's up there with France and the comeback in France. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, this was uh, the given how late we are in the season now, and obviously what every point means. It, this was the difference between Verstappen trailing Hamilton by a point or so uh, versus him leading now. I think it's the gap is now twelve points. I believe it's twelve. Let me just pop that. Up. Fourteen, is it not? Uh, no, because Hamilton got fastest lap. Oh, yes. yes uh, so 287.5 for Verstappen, 275.5 for for Hamilton. So that's a big, that's a huge win for Red Bull because this was a track they, Horner described as a Hamilton stronghold, mm-hmm. a Hamilton track. And they're moving now to tracks that they believe should suit the characteristics of the car a little better in higher altitude with Mexico and Brazil. Yeah, and Mercedes have got engine problems, which we'll get mm-hmm. to. Yeah, so for me, Red Bull are in the box seat at the moment. And if we get to Saudi Arabia and Max is still in the lead, I think it's game over. Yeah, I think, I think honestly, if they can negotiate, if they can build themselves a bit of a lead between Mexico and Brazil, I think it will help safeguard them in the event that maybe if Qatar or Saudi Arabia aren't to their liking, which could yeah. be possible. It's hard to say. It's hard to say without us being there and mm-hmm. being there before, but definitely Brazil and Mexico are Red Bull strongholds. I'll be very surprised if Mercedes are anywhere near them because they are just... Red Bull absolutely aced Mexico for last five or six years. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see how Red Bull cock it all from here. Well, they won handily in 17 and 18. The 19, obviously, that Mercedes car was too good. Yeah, and twenty, of course, they weren't there. So there's a bit of an, a bit of an unknown element in, in one sense, but 
uh, they have gone well there historically of late. So you'd imagine that shouldn't, well, even though it shouldn't, shouldn't change a ton. And, but, and Mr. Nui is back, so mm, who knows? Yeah, that, that obviously really helps. But this engine situation you're talking about is going to be a thing because they they gave Bottas, was it another ICE for Bottas? Another... His sixth ICE of the season. Mm, uh, the first one, the first extra one incurs a 10-place grid penalty. The second one, only five. They are desperate to figure out something uh, on with their ICE. Hamilton obviously had his... Uh, at his replace, so if he has to take another one, that is only five places. But the rest of his engine, I have strong doubts what they'll be able to do with it because we saw two Mercedes-engined uh, cars being Russell and Vettel have to take their penalties. Uh, we still haven't seen Norris take his, I believe. He has not, but I'm assuming they're holding off in case something happens. Mm. They'd rather wait until something bad happens. Yeah, I'd imagine so. But like it was as we expected. We saw four drivers take engine-related penalties with Alonso, Bottas, Vettel, and uh, Russell in that equation. So it's going to be a thing heading on the uh, season. But look, I, to be fair, uh, look, Mercedes gave it a good go. I thought they handled it as they should have handled it, I guess, in terms of, I guess, more so the, the final stint where they obviously that's your only chance is to go long once obviously Verstappen established his track position but there's a sense i think that they may have missed they may have missed a beat here that red bull beat them to this yeah we was both very unsure who, which way this was going to swing and based off how it was going in first practice i was convinced mercedes were going to absolutely dominate this weekend and then with how red bull sort of threw max under the bus with the strategy i was like right mercedes surely take advantage of this they've done this time and time again and got everything right but this weekend they just didn't and they pretty much maximized what they could get really for considering where Bottas was and where Lewis mm-hmm. was I don't think they would have expected to get second if I know if anything I, I don't think they would have got second either if, if certain things have played out with Checo yeah if his drinks bottle worked <laughs> yeah um I thought Red look. I, I was, Verstappen was always ha- quite happy to see Red Bull try something aggressive. You might remember even last year uh, with the it's with Silverstone. Uh, actually, I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was Verstappen was quite close to one of the Mercedes, maybe Bottas, and he wanted his team to try something. He's like, "This is like the only chance we might have to beat them." I think it may have been the first. It might have been the first one because obviously he won the seventieth anniversary one, didn't he? Uh, mm. Verstappen. So. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was good for from Verstappen's point to see that Red Bull were willing to take that risk because they may have to take a few. Who knows? We we don't know how it we don't know how it's going to unfold, but they may. Who knows? They we they may have to find themselves in a similar situation. Yeah, you never know. So you, you might as well try it now mm-hmm. at this point. So absolutely clutch win for Verstappen. That was. Uh, you could, you, I think, in championships like this, you can sense the big moments. Uh, like you look, you go back to 2016, and like Rosberg winning in Singapore was obviously a huge, a huge one. As was like him winning in Japan. Uh, like uh, engine stuff for Hamilton in Malaysia aside, like the, the you know the key moments when they come up. This I thought was a key moment in the uh, in the championship. Momentum is building. Mm-hmm. That that's what I'm feeling now. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time before we see things happen. I'll be to be honest, I'm surprised it didn't crash into uh, turn one, to be fair. Yeah, I, I predicted Lewis would run him wide if he got the uh, run. 
at turn one. Which as he should. What right? Before we go anywhere else, why is it the ins- why is it P two is a better side to be on than P one in Kota? It makes no sense. Why? Uh... <laughs> It's a strange one because you're on the racing line on the outside, but mm. we've seen, like, I think Hamilton obviously did this now a lot more egregiously in 2015 with Rosberg. Yes, just a bit. Um, so, uh, yeah. Martin Brundle was commenting on this as well. Yeah, it's, it's a very weird one. I don't know how the, how you could balance it out, but it's, it's very strange that even if you have a bad start, you can still send it. Up at turn one, but I think it's just the nature of the corner at the same time. So, yeah, uh, this is Verstappen's. I think by looks of it here, it looks like it was his eighth win of the season. Yes, it was his eighth win. Eight. I think it's his eighteenth win of his career. Fifty-seventh mm-hmm. uh, or fifty-eighth podium. Yeah mad this all like that's all like it just takes you could be building in your f1 career and it takes one season like this where you finally have the car and your your f1 stats just shoot up i think like i think once we got to like alonso's 2007 year with mclaren this was beginning to trend that way as well i mean obviously two championship years in 05 and 06 and like a win or two beforehand in uh in in like heading building up to 05 it you know it does it does rack up in a hurry. It really does. Yeah, yeah, and it's just going to get crazy and crazier, I think. And that was his good grief. Max has taken so many poles this season. Is that nine? Two. Three, yeah, four, I was. Four, I was five, just going to say six, he's eight, absolutely smashed it. Nine. Do you remember when he? Remember when he like could not get on pole position until like twenty nineteen? Yeah, hungry twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it, now look, it, it's that's all. It ta- you know, that's 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 what it takes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. word as a win of the weekend for his teammate Sergio Perez. Uh, Surprisingly on it. This very weekend. on it. He was a lot. Take the practice with a pinch of salt because mm. Max and Lewis were faster, but they did invalidate the laps. But he was with Max in every session, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Apart from the one he cocked up in Q2, he was there. And if he if he had a drinks bottle, I think he would have played a lot of, more of a factor in that race. He set the fastest lap to in the opening rounds of Q3, like he was on it. And he said the rain affected his time a bit in sector three come the end of his the end of his lap, which uh, yeah, uh, which I, I'll, I don't know if I believe. But... I'll take his word for it, given how he was, how much he was on it the whole weekend. I you know maybe it's a, a racing driver excuse, but uh, he was on it, and like you said, if two things that kind of didn't help him was. Look, having no drinks, like this looked like an exhausting race for everyone. The bumps were worse than than before. Everyone was like had a thing to say about the bumps. This looked like a very draining race for a lot of people. So to not have a drinks bottle uh, in that temperature and those, you know, obviously the, the the battering you're taking, uh, it's people. I I didn't like this notion. I think Martin Brundle brought this up. Like, oh, look, like the look Hamilton Mercedes forty two seconds ahead of the rest. You know those two are in a different league, and yes, they are in a different league. But let's not let's not get it twisted. They're not forty-two seconds in a different league. There are situations and circumstances to consider for everyone else on the grid. A car, lack of drinks bottle, the fact that Red Bull put Perez on mediums in the middle stint. Uh, there's so much to take. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I guess way of thinking that like like it there that those two drives are by far, you know, that far ahead 
in terms of talent. No, and you could see it. When Checo got out of that car in the podium uh, section, he was done. Mm-hmm. And I mean done. He he had nothing left. He he said it was his most toughest race ever. So Physically, yeah. Yeah, he, he was... I, I, like I say, I think he would have given Lewis a good run for his money. Not necessarily with him, mm-hmm. but he would have been there supporting Max, like the doing the Bottas role, covering the strategy options off. Yeah. And he did help, obviously, with... He did obviously help... I think he helped Mercedes pull the trick a bit early, earlier than they would have wanted to on that first set of... Mm. Uh, of, uh, with the uh, with the first stops there because they pulled him in for mediums and that pressure was was initially there so they had to do it and yeah he did what he had to do this weekend at Perez and got himself a podium a very important podium too because with Bottas finishing he just Bottas nibbed uh, P6 there late on uh, Red Bull makes some good ground on Mercedes in the standings uh, Mercedes 460 and a half points to Red Bull's 437 we said it they, one race may be enough like this to get Red Bull to believe they can they can get this constructors that twenty three points is not a lot in the constructors. No, and with, with these engine issues, you never know if Bottas keeps taking ICEs, which I think <laughs> he's going to do. You know, because I think they're doing it to research what's going on with the the actual ICE itself mm-hmm. to try and narrow it down so it doesn't happen to Hamilton taking the pain with Bottas. Because they've got the points advantage now. If something happens in Mexico or something like that, then who knows? I think these next two races, being Brazil and Mexico, I think are the most important for Red Bull in the constructors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If if they come out within ten points, then I think it's game on. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, then I think it's I think it's game over at that point. Because yeah, I think Bottas is going to be trying to. Uh, at least pick up another victory before he leaves Mercedes. Yeah, maybe one more in the in the in the locker there for him. But yeah, really good weekend for Red Bull. They that was they ap- they got the race they absolutely needed on both ends. Yeah. So fair play to them. Uh, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? I guess if you want, unless you have any other thoughts on Verstappen or Perez or Hamilton there. I do not. Uh, my the, the probably one of the stars behind Max, if I'm honest, Charles Leclerc. Mm absolutely aced it. He was miles in front of everybody else behind him. He was in no man's land pretty much. He was gaining on Perez at the end. Obviously, Perez was exhausted, but could have arguably had a podium if things had gone his way, if mm-hmm. it was a safety car or something like that. And he just absolutely aced it. P4 in qualifying. Obviously, Bottas's penalty helps that out, but he, he just got the job done again. I think it was a nice reminder because there's, there's been a lot of Carlos Sainz love and rightly so. He's a great, very good driver. And I think this is a good weekend for Leclerc to remind everyone, I think, just how good he is. And that yeah. he is like he is the star that we know him to be. Like, he is just... He said it was quite a boring race and uh, I can understand why he would think that he finished about... He finished what? A fair amount. Uh, he's 52 seconds behind seconds. and compared to Ricardo's 100, like 1 minute 16. So, what, 24? 24-ish seconds. Yeah, which I don't understand why Ferrari did not pit him. I really don't. Um, Every point counts in that battle against McLaren. Why are you not pitting him for fastest lap? I would have guessed perhaps that they saw possibly maybe with Perez's issues, how, because they got to within, what, six, 
or what was it, 10 seconds there in the end he must have backed off he, that gap was about seven or so seconds it was it was closing it was closing but yeah when it's like 50 like 51 like surely you realize that something is not going to happen and just take the pain and take to get the extra point rather than uh losing out but mm. either way i think for absolutely aced it apart from the fact that Carlos started on softs but yeah. Which actually didn't turn out to be that bad in the end. Like he, no, the start obviously there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of there's a lot of squabbling between obviously Norris and Ricardo and and Science and uh, there's some off track shenanigans that uh, you know Science had to let some cars back through. Uh, he managed to get back, managed to get himself back ahead of Norris pretty quickly and couldn't make much of an impression on Ricardo. Got close once or twice. Well, actually very close on one occasion. And uh, Ricardo managed to hold that one off firmly. But look, uh, Science finishing seventh, you'd probably be disappointed with that. But it's a good weekend for Ferrari in general. I'll lump them in as a winner of the weekend in general for Ferrari. Uh, yeah, they've this engine upgrade that they introduced has definitely seemed to have really helped uh, bridge some of that straight line speed deficit to McLaren, and just in general, just increase their lap time. And uh, now, that, look, the characteristics of this track may actually have helped them a bit. A bit. Uh, as it turns out, but they made some really like they they were just honest, like they really were. Uh, I think they probably should, they, I'm sure they feel they probably should have finished fourth and fifth. They definitely had the car to do so, uh, but they leave Cota just three uh, three and a half points behind McLaren, and look, I there you could argue whether that Ferrari might actually be the better car of the two now. Yeah, I think Ferrari have got the right together with that car. I think it's the one to beat now. I think McLaren seem to have, uh, I want to say switch focus, but I don't know if they have. I can't say for definite, but yeah, I think Ferrari very much wanting that P3 and the constructors. And I think it would be a great reward if they did get it. All the hard work, considering where they was last year. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge change of fortunes. And thank God <laughs> I couldn't do with another season of... Uh, being nowhere like no never mind i wouldn't like to have been mclaren fan when they were going through <laughs> their uh honda lot yeah like everyone's got like scheduled upgrades and like few upgrades to have through the season but it seems that the ones that ferrari have introduced have worked really really well and that must be i think that'll be something that they can take a lot of satisfaction and i guess encouragement out of is that what they are introducing is in fact working which wasn't always the case obviously it, it was one of the reasons that the 2018 title fight you know once the flyaways began didn't go their way <laughs> well, yeah among the, other reasons. <laughs> i think they understand the car is, is the main thing i don't think they understood the car in 2018 now i think they've got because it's obviously it's just a evolution rather than revolution of the car so it's i think they've got a bit more understanding so they can get the upgrades done a lot easier and a lot more efficiently mm-hmm uh, so they're moving on nicely. Uh, I wonder, I do wonder if how much it will come down to the final race. If McLaren can find their advantage at Abu Dhabi, uh, could be in for an absolute bombshell uh, finish to the season. But a few races to go between now and then. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give Daniel Ricciardo one at the weekend because I have to say he looked, he definitely punched above where he should have. He finished fifth ahead of Bottas and Sainz. Uh, two cars yeah. I think that are quicker than than him. He was quicker than his teammates pretty much all this weekend. Uh, just seemed very much one with the car, with the track. Uh, qualified sixth, I believe, behind uh, obviously behind the two Ferraris there, and really just 
a, a Daniel Ricardo weekend. He was very, he seemed to be very happy just in general. So I think I'm glad that I was that joy was reflected to a good result on the track. Yeah, it was definitely, I think, probably one of the happiest I've seen him in a long time, <laughs> apart from Monza. Obviously, he got to drive the Dale Earnhardt uh, NASCAR, which mm. is his, his icon car, and it was, it was great to see that. He, if you've seen the uh, video that F1 uploaded to YouTube, he's just, he's just got a massive smile from the moment he gets in that car to the moment he gets out of it. Mm -hmm. it it's, it's great to see. But yeah, he... He, I, I, I was going to say he absolutely outshone Norris all weekend, and he did. Oh, by far. Really. Yeah. Um, it's, I loved his tribute helmet. I think his tribute helmet was... Uh, it was the Dale as well, yeah. I believe. Uh, one of many tribute helmets. Uh, that one looked sick. Like, sick? It looked sick. Uh, what was your favourite? I take this for context. Who had special helmets? Uh, Alonso, Bottas, Norris, Bottas, Norris, Russell, uh, Ricardo, obviously... Uh, Mazepin technically <laughs> he, I think he just put a cowboy hat on one of his one of the things uh, which was your which is your favourite of the bunch honestly I have to say Ricardo's was absolutely I think Leclerc had a special one but it was more so for his sponsors than uh, Richard Mill rather than the track but I thought Ricardo's was oh, clean Ricardo's was the best looking but Alonso's was the best in terms of message because of the uh Stuff. It, it was to do with some form of disaster that's going on right now. I can't remember what it is at the moment, but it's some form of uh, thing that's going on in Spain. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, the volcano on the back of it. Yeah, yeah. There's been a yeah. It was something to do with that. But yeah, definitely, definitely recorded. But Alonso for the message. Mm. So yeah, Daniel Ricciardo was just a fantastic. And they needed it too. Obviously, they, they he pulled his weight big time here because Norris was really. It was really cool. Well, I would say nowhere. He wasn't too far behind Bottas or Science, but obviously he was the last of all of those cars. So uh, just didn't seem, seem to be missing something. So Ricardo, big points there to finish ahead of Bottas and Science. Yeah, absolutely huge. Yeah. Uh, who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? Yuki Sonoda. Mm. My word, that boy can defend. <laughs> can't, can't he? When it's a Mercedes, he defends, and even if it's a Red Bull trying to lap him, he defends. Ooh, but, that was bad. Yeah, Mr. Marker will be giving him a firm slap over the head for that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it cost him, like, it cost Max like two seconds, I think it was. It was crazy. But that was probably a, a, a lot of the where Hamilton gave his time back as well. So, But yeah, it, he kept Bottas behind him for quite a bit, which I, I was surprised at, because obviously Gasly... Uh, had uh, suspension issues and retired from the race early. So he was the uh, sole Alpha Tari, and he got points again. So fair play, Yuki. I, I can't fault him. He was, apart from holding Max up, he was solid. Q3 yeah. again. Mm -hmm. Got the job done. Well, he made Q3 in the basis that he had the softs on. But to be fair, like, like Science. He, made, he was able to make it work. Now, there was a bit of fortune because obviously his teammate did retire and. I'd have to say Alonso probably would have been knocking on his door with uh, his late strategy because <laughs> Alonso did the three-stop. Well, technically, he did the four-stop there, but uh, uh, apparently, according to F1. But he switched on the mediums. Something that Science was calling Ferrari to think about to get Ricardo is like, think about the three-stopper, think about the three-stopper. And they were like, if they want to see his pace, so they're like, the Science, well, push. We want, we want to see your pace. Like, how much quicker can you go? Uh, they eventually decided not to bring him in, but they did pull the trigger because Alonso was behind uh, Vettel 
Uh, once obviously the Giovinazzi stuff was uh, out of the way, but to be so, I thought Snowden a little bit fortunate in perhaps the way he got his P9, but did what he didn't do in Turkey essentially, which was keep the car on the track essentially, and yeah, made it work. Soft, hard, hard, uh, made that soft work. Uh, Vettel probably needed a few more laps, I reckon, to get to him, but just a an understated, solid Yuki Sonoda drive. On a weekend, they really needed it because obviously they missed out with Gasly's points there, but a double DNF for uh, Alpine. And just so little, a few little points there really helps Avatar. They get now within, they're in, within 10 points of uh, Alpine, the 104 to 94. And little things like that could make the, the difference there. Yeah. And that's, that's like you say, it's literally what they need to do. And this is what we've been saying Yuki needs to do all season long. Mm-hmm. Pick up the little results when other people aren't noticing. And that's that's what he did. So I, I rate it, it was one of the better performances of the weekend from him for his entire season, to be honest. Yeah. I can't name one that was much better. They probably give, you probably give Bahrain the, the edge. Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, just as it comes in terms of a debut, but yeah, really solid stuff and a, a little important, important points there. I'll give a, I'll give a little win of the weekend to Vettel for finishing tenth. Uh, yeah, started where did he start? He started P eighteen, didn't he? Because he finished ahead of the Alonso Russell trio mm. uh, to get that position. Uh, the race uh, it went fine uh, again, beneficiary of some retirements and the such, and the the Alfa Romeo. Well, we we definitely inherited that position later on with with, 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 with Raikkonen's spin, which obviously helped. Uh, but got points from the back, and here we are again, celebrating or putting a winner of the weekend for a car that in every in every sense finished third in the constructors last year, and here we got a tenth place based on a spin at the end. So, yeah, cool. so it's not a good look, is it? But fair play to Sab because it was an absolutely beautiful move around the outside, at, uh, the long right hander. If you saw it, you know what I mean. It's it was brilliant. I can't remember who it was on, but he absolutely aced it. I think it was Russell. Yes, I think he was on mediums. Was Vettel? He did medium, medium hard, and Russell was on yeah. hards. And Russell finished P fourteen in the end. Absolutely beautiful move. So but he yeah. actually didn't spin. Yeah, I know, right? He must have come across that corner and said, oh, no, <laughs> not again. Yeah. yeah, I was expecting it to wash out like Lewis did when he uh, tried to do it with Max, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. He uh, held it around the outside, so fair play. So, yeah, congratulations, Aston Martin, for your solitary point, which takes their total up to 62. A nice, a nice 32 behind AlphaTauri and a nice 42 behind Alpine. And you don't want to know how... Well, they're nearly 200 odd points behind McLaren and Ferrari. E. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's not go there because I'll get wrapped up in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, do you think any of the winners of the the weekend? I, I would have said Kimmy if he didn't, if he didn't spin. Yeah. I'm not, I I reckon as the back end just dropped on him just randomly. I haven't I didn't looked on yeah. board, but I imagine I, I, that's what happened. Yeah, and then bumps on used tyres. Yeah, it just—I think he was just more of a passenger than anything in that. To be honest, so can't really pin too much blame on him. But Alfa Romeo actually looked pretty decent. They did. Weekend, apart from Giovinazzi, but yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, let's move. Let's move on to the losers of the weekend. Uh, throw a quick one in for Mercedes and whatever they're trying to figure out with Bottas and how they continually yeah. throw him under. Uh, so well done to them. Uh, but my first actual loser of the weekend is probably Alpine. 
Yeah, I was going to say they're probably the biggest losers of this weekend, if I'm honest. Mm. Uh, Pace didn't really seem to be there. Uh, They obviously, Alonso played a team game, gave Ocon a nice big toe for uh, Q2. Uh, Ocon missed out on Q3 and (laughs) had to retire early, did Ocon. What was the, was it it suspension of the rear wing? He was rear wang. Rear, rear, Rear wang for Ocon and then... Alonso looked like he was going to get some points. Now, Alonso was in the wars a bit, to be fair. Um, I was not a fan of it, if I'm honest. I did not enjoy some of the dive bombs, but what I did... One thing I appreciate with Alonso is that he, he's one... like you Talk about the greats and how they find the limit. And you talk about Schumacher, Senna. I don't really think Hamilton finds the limit in terms of the rules, in that sense. But no. Alonso will push that envelope. He And... He, and calls attention to it afterwards. I think what he does will improve F1 as a whole in their, yeah. how they adjudicate things. Now, there was, now so the, the incident in question was, the first one uh, was the Kimi Raikkonen one, where Alonso's on the inside, Raikkonen's on the outside. Uh, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say squeezed, but uh, definitely Raikkonen did not have much room to go. Uh, so... By definition, he gained a lasting advantage by being on the outside of the uh, of the track limits there. And Alonso was he though? Well, he was like that. No, he, he wasn't. Well, he was, but he was outside he the track limits from uh, nothing the, he could do himself. Right. Well, that's well, that's different though. But by definition, he was like that's different though. Like he was on, he was outside those limits of that limit. Now he was put there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. By please, def- please get that point across. Yeah, by definition, he gained a lasting advantage by being outside the track limits, which is what Renault or Alpine rather and Alonso wanted to get onto the to the FIA about to get Raikkonen in that position back. Uh, they never did, and then Alonso then Alonso came to Giovinazzi, uh, completely legal move around the outside of the turn. Uh, I think that was a sarcastic celebration because I think he knew he had to give it back. <laughs> Yeah, he did. Um, which he, they were ordered to, and he did. Uh, with with well, no complaint that was on the radio anyway, so I think very much that, I'm sure that one was very much premeditated. Broke extremely late, missed the corner. And it's like, okay, okay, again, it's, it's just pushing up the envelope, finding the limit of the rules. Then went for Giovinazzi again, and uh, I think Giovinazzi then was adjudicated to have uh, gained a lasting advantage from being outside the limits, and then Giovinazzi was not too impressed that he had to give the position back, but it has cost Alonso about 10 or so seconds to Raikkonen, which he did end up catching, which I was surprised by. Uh, then got to the words the whole Vettel thing, and then they pulled the trigger to pull on for mediums, and he was catching, he was definitely catching. I think he may have caught them uh, come the end of the race, but then, like his teammates, he was actually going through the triple right-hander, a car snapped. He caught it, but the uh, he looked back, rear wing broken, they had to box the car, and retire so a tumultuous weekend because um, I, I will have actually forgiven you for thinking do you know like the the old Alonso retirements where like the engine like you've like engine problems in I didn't yeah. always believe there may have been engine issues I think you maybe just fed up so it kind of looked like that I think it actually it happened in America in 2017 actually with Alonso actually now that I think about it um but it's it did seem like that. But I looked. I actually looked on board here before he came on because he mentioned in the post race interview afterwards that he almost he almost crashed and definitely had to like the car went on him uh, in that rip right hander and then 
yeah, boxed for the uh, the broken the broken rear wing there. So a few cars had this issue, like Gasly, another one, but. Uh, so maybe the structural integrity of the rear may need looking at if you're Alpine. Yes, 100% by the sounds of it. Um, so obviously then this track limit stuff obviously came up after the race as well, and uh, which the FAI admitted that the Raikkonen call was, quote, marginal, as Alonso highlights inconsistency. There's a story on race fans about this. And again, I, I think these little things will help push the sport overall because this happened for whatever position they are Giovinazzi and Raikkonen and Lanza were fighting for but on another day and we saw it with Bahrain early in, like at the beginning of the season this will end up being a talking point between whether someone loses or wins a race and possibly by extension if they win or lose a championship so this stuff I think is what Alonso was doing and highlighting the again, it's not, not the first time of course Alonso like obviously Russia was a very recent example of the uh, interpretation of the rules and what to be gained etc etc he's been on to he's on he's been on about this all season I think what he is doing it may irk some people and it kind of irked me a bit you know what was happening uh, on Sunday but I think these things overall will help push the sport on in clearly defining these matters yeah and I think Alonso is the man to try to drive these messages forward as well so it, it, these messages need to be sorted out because obviously these are rules that haven't been looked at in a very long time so hopefully the FI takes note and actually does something about them rather than just brushing it under the carpet yeah absolutely sorry I'm just dying don't mind me um, <laughs> once again I, yeah once again I have uh, ingested water the wrong way it could be a staple it's gone down stage. wrong goal mm-hmm. um, I'm trying, trying to see if there's a a quote from Michael Massey on the story. Uh, this, he does say it'll be something that we'll have a discussion at the next driver's meeting with all the drivers about. So, yeah, next. It's a shame we don't get those looks anymore. In the 2017 season, we had a few videos of the drivers' briefings, which were pretty fun. Uh, of course, one of the great things to compare with those was that, remember that, you know, that Checo's just blank stare when I think Grosjean accused him of gaining. Yeah. I think it was in Singapore when yeah, obviously the chaos is just like his mouth is open. <laughs> I can't believe what uh, it's like. If he's he's like he's uh, being whistleblown on. Uh, but yeah, they'll be talking about that in the meetings to come. So I'm sure we'll see an updated story about it uh, coming up as well. But yeah, Alpine a uh, loser at the weekend there, and uh, not. But it could be worse if Gasly had finished as well. That would have been worse. Hell of a lot worse. So double DNF. They didn't lose a ton in the end. Oops. So, double dump. Double dump. Who else do you have as a loser of the weekend? It's not too many, actually, then I look at it. I, I would say a quick mention to Williams, but I don't think they really had the pace in the car this weekend to no. really do anything. So, can't really say loser. They were just where they were, and that was about it. The TV mm. sort of got screwed over by Strollbeard Stroll yeah. at turn one. So. Which went unpunished. Was an investigation even put into that? No, they, show, they didn't even show a replay of what happened to Stroll on board. They just showed it from Latifi's perspective and Stroll just gets spun around by someone, which was apparently a house. So I don't know. Cough, cough, has been. Um, <laughs> for some reason, after four laps, he was 42 seconds yeah. behind everybody. Now, I know, the, I know the reason for this now. I, lo- I wanted to look at this before we came on. And what happened was his headrest came, almost came flying off heading down the, uh, the oh, main Jesus. back straight on lap one. 
um, in the accelerate, like heading towards the second, the second, the, the last third of that straight, he's behind in the slipstream of like Vettel and company. He went for a move on Vettel heading into that hairpin uh, onto that straight, but yeah, the headrest came flying, almost came flying. Uh, he could not see in his mirrors, like it completely obstructed his view. It came completely loose on both sides. Um, shot up, and that's why they they they, they boxed him then. Uh, they had to box, obviously. There's no, there's no. He can't literally can't see. They have to secure that. We saw Hamilton lose a race win in many ways, well, and well, every way really in Baku 2017 for the same thing. But this is this wasn't like uh, this wasn't that where it, it kind of gradually came up. This thing shot up at the back. Uh, so yeah, that's why he, no mention of this. Uh, he so then we didn't see anything about it. Uh, race fans uh, has a little thing about it this morning, but. This morning's afternoon, but yeah, that's why he was so far back. They they had to box and end of lap one. They stuck him on the hards, and that's why he had the three stop. Uh, the only three stop of the finishing drivers. He went uh, hard and then medium, medium to uh, see. to finish there. So that was why he was so far behind. I yeah. So not not his fault this time. Interesting. And uh, apparently, as well, there's a story of race fans. I believe how he had. He had like there was like burning feet. His helmet was wasn't right. There a lot of things went wrong for for Mazepin this race. Still, uh, so he finished in last in P seventeen behind his uh, teammate. I thought he'd be have to be honest. I thought he'd mix it up a bit at the start, but he had a dreadful start. It was overtaken by absolutely everybody. And uh, which is weird because yeah, the starts have actually been okay for him this season. And yeah, uh, yeah, just all went wrong. So, but look, not much was as expected of Haas anyway. They were the only cars that finished two laps down. Uh, lose the weekend for Mick for almost ruining the race. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah, bad, 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 bad stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I honestly, I know it was the last lap or whatever, but I'm surprised they didn't give him out penalty points or a penalty because that was, I honestly think if that was Mazepin, there would have been absolute uproar. Yeah, well, Kimmy got black and white flag for it when he held on Max mm-hmm. through sector one, which you can't let him pass in sector one. There just isn't anywhere you can do once you get into their masses. Yeah, that's safe because as we saw in qualifying, where Mazepin was on the racing line and Vettel nearly crashed into him. So, yeah, it's just not safe to do in sector one, and Kimmy got punished for it effectively. Mm-hmm. But the fact Mick didn't even get any uproar or anything said against him, it was a little bizarre. Yeah, from me. And I, I like Mick at that, so yeah, I was very disappointed when I saw who it was. Yeah, I thought perhaps, oh, it's Maspin, isn't it? Because that's where your head goes to first, and there's Mick, and there's oof, bad, bad stuff. Yeah. So I do think there needs, so I do think there has to be some sort of, again, look, Mazepin is usually rightly criticised, but, you know, when it's not, you know, again, you, sw- you swap plays, if that was Mazepin, there would be absolute uproar, so Mick only deserves the same, or a similar kind of flack, even if it doesn't happen as often. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just quickly on the Williams thing, uh, one of the I think one of the weird stats of this race. I don't think Russell ever got higher than P thirteen, which was the opening laps, if I'm not mistaken. In this race, he went from tw- uh, he went from twentieth to fourteenth, and must have got a pits like must have got ahead to thirteen for a pit stop. But literally, that was as good as it got. So, yeah, just one of those races where Williams didn't have it. His teammate finished in fifteenth. Always had to come to a complete like. Uh, he was obviously he obviously spun him uh, got spun around uh, so he did uh, or sorry it was the TV that spun Stroll around was it not? Stroll got spun around by someone in front of him and then well I think it was like a Constantino effect someone got spun spun Stroll around and then 
which in turn sandwiched Latifi and then, yeah, that was it. It didn't really show anything on World Feed from mm, that. I think it was Latifi, to be fair to him. He almost had to, like, came to a complete stop behind <laughs> behind Stroll, so... Yeah, and then Stroll then he drove into him trying to pull away, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Stroll still finished 12th with no safety car, so... <laughs> Maybe their race pace is yeah. better, than, uh, better than we thought, what perhaps. A, not a great drive. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really have any other losers of the weekend. We talked about the FIA track limits thing, and that'll be a discussion for later on. But I really don't think there was a massive amount of losers on the weekend, really. No, no, not really at all. Um, Lando Norris, I guess, should quick mention, just an underwhelming race for his standards. Uh, he was very unhappy with himself, very hard on himself afterwards. Uh, yeah. As as I guess we've come like look, we your drivers hold themselves to a very high standard, Norris in particular. Um and yeah, just this weekend wasn't quite honest, but still having a great season overall, but didn't yeah, just didn't really happen for him this weekend. No, I, I was quite surprised to see Ricardo that far in front mm-hmm. of uh, of Norris. So yeah. But at the end of the day, Every driver has, has them kind of races, so yeah, you can't expect it all the time to be on top of your game. So hopefully he bounces back when we go to Mexico in two weeks' time. Yeah, few and far between these uh, performances have been from Nara so far, so you'd expect that uh, to to uh, rectify itself when F1 does get back on the road, which, I, as you mentioned, is the Mexico Grand Prix. Uh, we saw a strong contingent turned out for uh, Sergio Perez. It's going to be uh, tenfold in, in, uh, in Mexico, isn't it? Yeah, if he wins, God, that that'd imagine? be great. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I expect him to get a podium. I think he'll be more motivated than anything to get a podium there. Finally, this is the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So hopefully he does, because I would like to see it in the stadium section. That crowd will be going ape. Yeah. <laughs> so that race surprisingly taking place two weeks from now, but the back to back is Mexico and Brazil. Yeah. So, I would have thought it'd have been the opposite way around. Same. Been Cota and Mexico, but sure, FIA know what they're doing. Enough one know what they're doing. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, but they know as much as what they're doing as much as Aston Martin do. So, sure. <laughs> uh, do you have any other thoughts or anything to add from the US Grand Prix? I think we hit on well most of everything really. Race rating out of 10, but yeah, that, that we've hit the spot there. To be um, race rating out of 10. I'll give it an 8.5. I was going to go 8, so yeah, that's that's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. It was it was not the most thrilling for track or action in terms of overtakes, but it was tense. Well, that we saw anyways. <laughs> yeah, it was hella tense. Yeah. Um, so it had me on the edge of the seat. So yeah, 8.5 to 8 is a perfect sort of round place to put it what did you make of the post-race stuff with uh shack in the uh the longhorn the longhorn car the red bull team getting into the longhorn car oh i, lo- I loved it i love yeah. that kind of thing it's great uh yeah what about thoughts on the i thought what about the, the trophy i thought it was like very like kind of like a super bowl trophy vibe from us i don't know i don't really know what the super bowl trophy looks like so i don't i'm not sure did you like this one no it was all right trophy in it <laughs> unless it's the gorilla okay, I don't really care the gorilla is the best trophy there is yeah that's like if, if F1 moves away from Paul Ricard like in 2023 and beyond uh, that'll be by far the thing I miss the most yeah same <laughs> well you can you can get Kimi Raikkonen to comment on what a cool trophy it is you know you've done you know yeah, you've done pretty well you, you've hit the spot right, definitely <laughs> 
yeah, what did you actually? I guess just as a throwback, I think this year they did the 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 colors of the French flag for each one of the trophies. Like, yes. So one was all red, so. one was all white. I think I think the, the I think was the white one the the winner because I, I think they may have got skimped. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the worst one, right? Right, I would have thought so. Uh, I won't look this up quickly just because it's fun. Um, You're fun, lol. Yeah, definitely. Like, you're not. You do not. Are you not interested in the trophies? Yeah, Verstappen got the was the white one. And in the past, it's been a combination of all three. Um, mm. I, I think the. Would you prefer the re- the red one or the blue one? I'm a blue guy, to be honest. He has. A, I had a red Mercedes, but. Yeah, I'm a blue. I'm a blue guy. Um, let me see. Actually, let me just double. I think. Let me just double check this guy. I'm hella curious. Uh, yeah, I see Verstappen here with just the plain white, white gorilla. Uh, hmm. I don't know. I I think the, I think the others are a bit more, <laughs> a bit fun. Yeah, they are. Anyways, uh, trophy stuff aside, I would have gone silver. If you're gonna do that, just go silver. Then that's close enough to white. Yeah. Anyways. Or just a combination of all three. Anyways. Um, any other thoughts before we round out the... the we, we mentioned the W Series. We mentioned all that stuff. Um, mm, not really. I don't think there's any... Cause we're recording this on the Monday afterwards, so I don't think there's any big picture stuff. Uh, admittedly, I didn't look at the race. Uh, the hyphen race.com. Oh, actually, when I went to watch the... Uh, the uh, former, former regional European presented by Alpine uh, round at Magello, which was a uh, good oh. fun. You said you were going to do it. I was going to, but then yeah, I got wrapped up in it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> boo. I, I got wrapped up in other things, watching the MotoGP actually. The uh, at uh, Misano, which was very very good. I see. Uh, <laughs> hey championship decided that one so yeah you've got to watch it i thought we should mention that uh hulkenberg is doing some uh, indycar testing as well yes i i, I read that he's mclaren had come out and said that he's in the frame for the 2023 indycar drive so which interesting i think would i think with that consideration i think that officially draws the line under f nico hulkenberg's f1 f1 career which is sad but this is where he gets announced at alfa romeo tomorrow <sighs> Could you imagine? I still don't know what's going to happen with that. Like, I used to be sure it was Guan Yu Zhou. I have no idea what's going to happen with that seat. With all well, this, I don't think it is anymore, you know. I really don't. With all this Andretti stuff, and if the seat is theirs to fill, and I don't know. I, I really don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, 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 maybe Piastri could still get there. Unlikely, but I don't know. That that I think it's looking more less and less like Giovinazzi. I think we can, I think we can uh, <laughs> hit that nail. Yeah, based on how he was spoken to on the radio, give that position, Mark. No discussion. No discussion, yeah. Although, he, was, uh, he was told. Although Fred Vassura kind of absolved him a bit of uh, the blame in Turkey. Oh, well, I mean. Which, I don't know why, but <laughs> maybe, not just not to, yeah. maybe, not, maybe just not to piss off Ferrari. <laughs> please, Pretty much. Please help us, please maybe give us options to supply us with more of your drivers in the future, please. Yes, don't don't give us your your sim driver anymore, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but and I, I, I don't think we're gonna know until after the F two season is over, at the very least. No, hundred percent won't. So that should be fun. So have fun hanging on to the edge of your seat for that one. I, I'm super curious. That that seat's been curious to me all season long, and 
It's going to be so anticlimactic. What would be so anticlimactic? What would be is where Kimmy's like, yeah, I'm staying another year. What is your anticlimactic scenario? Like, what would, if it's Giovinazzi is the one that would be for me? It's like, if yeah, he's just, a, if he's reannounced. Yeah, if he's announced again, then I'm not. I'm not watching Alpha Romeo do anything <laughs> anymore. I'm. I'm just not. I'm done with them. They can. They can go away. He honestly shouldn't have even oh. had a seat this year. Yeah, like we were surprised at year three. Never mind if he gets a year four after this season. He's a quality merchant who goes backwards in the races. Like, I'm sorry, Italian Jesus. <laughs> you passed your sell-by date. It's, it's, it's done. Your time is up. Yeah. Go back to Maranello and sit in the sim. Because that's, that's where it's going to go. He'd be better off carving himself as like Ferrari's top man in their endurance stuff. Yeah. That's probably where he'd fit best, or Formula E. Oh, God, God forbid Ferrari end up in Formula E. Could you imagine the Italians and electric? Last <laughs> <laughs> straw. <laughs> oh, dear. As, oh, dear. I guess, I guess I speak of endurance-ish. I did see the DTM stuff that occurred. Um, yes, not impressed oof. at all. Uh, we think F1 politics are strong, and they can be, but that Mercedes stuff no. was uh, yes was a little wild. Yes, if you haven't, check out uh, Josh Rebel's video on it for a, a quick summary as yeah, to what happened. covers it up pretty well. Yeah, it's uh, very, very salty behaviour, I, I will say, mm-hmm. from a uh, certain certain person, but yeah. <laughs> Um, I think that's it. I think there is. <laughs> you think incorrectly. Well, what do you? What, what do you? What do you got? I I have a team for you to try and figure out. I've done none of my. I've done no research here. So yeah, you. I'm I'm going to do my research. I know. What you say to me after every call. I know. And yet you don't. I know. So we're talking eighties Formula One this week. Eighties? Oh dear God. Late eighties. So you, it's not too bad. But not too bad he says we're going very french this week very we've, french we've, we've talked about the uh paul ricard trophies mm-hmm. and we're going french with this uh late 80s f1 team now they had one driver <laughs> oh for god's sake not another one of these piss teams that are in the sport for like four races not even four graham not even four. Oh my one god. race you cannot and expect they... me to get this they entered in round 13 and round then didn't 13. race again. Wow. This is like obscurity of obscurity. You're going to have to give me yes. a hint or two here. So, it, I don't think I can. It's, it's bizarre. What do you mean? <laughs> like, there isn't anything that sort of gives a, t- a hint because you're just not going to get it. Well, then why, have you, like, why have you asked me? Because you're a genius. I, I'm, I'm smart, but... Right, so we're talking 86 Formula 1. 86? Right? Hold on, you, that's not late 80s. It is. That's mid-80s. It's past, 80, it's past 85. No, late 80s is like anything from 88 onwards is late 80s. Right, so mid-80s. Oh, 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 thank you. Yeah, I, I, I narrowed it down just for you, of course. Their only driver was Ivan Capelli, so that says a lot. Well, that's a famous driver. Let me take out my big book of F1. Maybe I can find it. 86. Maybe I can guess it. Uh, because there's no... I can guarantee... I, I, I can tell you straight up, there's no way I can do this. Yeah, the, the, I'll be very surprised if you manage to pull this out of your arse. Uh, Ivan Capelli. 
Where is he? Like th- this is going off Wikipedia, so <laughs> if I'm incorrect, then I'm incorrect. But Wikipedia is we stand with Wikipedia oh, at this point. Jonathan Palmer drove in this year of F1. <laughs> oh God! So and uh, good old Alessandro Nanini who drove for two teams. Of course he did. Uh, the very the, the, the very bottom team, Graham. So. Yeah. I think he plays 23 this year. Uh, the team is... I would never have gotten this. Motori Moderni, Moderni, Moderni V6. Is that it? Yes. So Jolly Club Spa is what they were known as. But yes, AGS Motori Moderni. Yes. I've glad what I a looked great. this up. Would never have gotten this in a million and years. Of course, they entered in the Italian Grand Prix of all races. <laughs> Um, surprisingly, I was going to say surprisingly stacked field. This, like, obviously you got Prost yeah. who won the title, Senna, Mansell, PK, Kiki Rosberg, and the McLaren. I forgot that ever happened. Mm. Uh, Gerhard Berger, McKaylee, Michelle Alboreto, Michelle Alboreto, yes, what, uh, a, what a guy. Renny Arnoux, Alan Jones, Martin Brundle, Ricardo Patrese. There's uh, some good names in here. Do 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 bunch of them uh young ivan capelli of course derek warwick still about <laughs> still knocking the page terry bootson um jacques lafitte very uh very french for ligier obviously <laughs> of course of course uh yeah some interesting names on this oh <clears throat> big man patrick tambe that's a that's not a bad one god say so yeah plenty of uh names here big man johnny dumfries for lotus yeah some nice yeah. names on this on this grid, but I would never have gotten that. Uh, I I think Capelli was actually it looks like Capelli was ranked above like it looks like like almost like ten drivers in the standings here, all on zero points. There's a lot of drivers here on zero points, but like ahead of Boat Minardis, the Lola, Oselli, Zach Speed, Arrows. Some bad cars here. <laughs> yeah, some very bad cars. Uh, there you go. Wow. Yeah, I would not. Uh, as a request, can you can we, can yes. we bring this yes. into the nineties or early two thousands or mid two thousands? From next week, I'll bring it into the mid nineties. I'll go. For, I'll start in the nineties and work my way up. But yeah, I, I saw it when I was doing my research last night. I was like, I've got to. I'm, I'm sorry. I've never ever heard of them, and this is just abstract to the max. <laughs> so, thank you, Supermax. <laughs> Supermax. Yeah. Great. Well, we've done it once again. Uh, we're up to an of hour course. twenty plus standard. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, and you've, is there anything else you would like to add before we uh, wrap up for another another week? No, I think that's a wrap. Chicken tikka wrap. I would love some sort of wrap at the moment. I would not. <laughs> well, I've got a fry up when I get off, so. I'm ready. A fry up. Sorry, sorry to break the the uh, illusion here, but it's five to six as I speak. A fry up yes. at five to six. Yeah, what's wrong with that? But I can I can I can appreciate a fry up at two or three in the afternoon as a late breakfast brunch thing. Yeah, but well, I've, I've been at two, I've been at work, so I could not do that. Some of us don't have bank holidays. <laughs> Listen, I didn't make the rules. Yeah, course. Right. Well, that's that, that's the final straw. That's it. You're fired. Good. Uh, right. That is going to do it for another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I have been Graham. I have been Hube Rothengatter. What on earth? 
it's from the same season, Graham. So you've you've looked at it. So. <laughs> I have. Hold on. I'm, now I must He's, find out what team you drew for. He was with Jonathan Palmer. So yeah. I'm sorry. Can you can you repeat his name? Who Rothen Gatter? <laughs> oh, there he is. He's in the Zach speed. He's a Dutch, a Dutchie. Wow, I, I, I don't think you can say that. No. So I'm going to edit that out for you. I think he's a Dutchman. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we shall see you. Uh, see you next week. Goodbye.